notes. Notes are ready. We're dialed. Oh, the idiocy that we have in front of us. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be joining us from. My name is Devin Morgan, director of the Baseball Driveline, founder of the Driveline Academy. This is the Driveline Academy podcast, world's most dangerous youth baseball podcast. I need to work on my breath control. Like, I mean, I that is, I do feel like it's getting faster. Yeah. Uh, Almost and, perfunctory. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. Joined as per usual by my brother, partner, co-host, Driveline Academy assistant director, Driveline Academy international ambassador, Jeremy Tectiel. New job title. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, that means I will be going back to Italy very soon. Yeah. Going to have to. Going to have to. The international ambassador. Um, a lot of shout outs today. Uh, shout out to you guys, the pod listeners. The pod continues to pod uh, well over 55,000 now, which just like it, it just it's never going to not be weird to me. Um, so greatly appreciate you guys. Um, shout out to the hate listeners. Uh, shout, out, shout out to you guys. Uh, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, be careful, though, because if you stay around long enough, you might like hear some information that might change your mind. Might fall in love with us. It might make you think about yeah. some stuff differently. So yeah. just watch out. It's a very thin line between hate and love. It, it's the same emotion, yeah. as they say. Um, Shout out to dinosaur coaches that think baseball players shouldn't bench press. Uh, shout out to guys running kids like 100 pitches um, in September fall ball tournaments. Oh, yeah, we're here. We're um, here. We're, we're here, man. Uh, shout out to uh, medical providers that submit op-ed pieces to research journals that don't have any research in their op-ed or actively reject research in the op-ed. I'm shout out to, to think some of these aren't real shout outs. I mean, they're shout outs. You know, like I like to... <laughs> <laughs> Again, love and hate, same emotion. It's true, it's true. Um, and a big shout out to Axbat. Uh, I'm not going to bury the lead here. Uh, this is going to be our first official podcast uh, sponsorship ad read. Although it's not really an ad read because uh, Jay and the boys over at Axbat didn't give me an ad. I just said, hey, we want to do this thing so that we can provide scholarship to kids who want to play. And Jay was like, let's do that. So I don't have an ad read, so we're just going to talk about Axbat for a bit. So axbat.com, code DL20. It's going to get you 20% off. Um, in so much as it matters, my kids have swung Axbats basically forever uh, since they got out of T-ball. And if Ax had a T-ball bat at the time that my kids were <laughs> playing T-ball, they probably would have swung that. Uh, Ax didn't have a T-ball bat at that time. They do now, so go buy it. Axbat.com, code DL20, 20% off. Um I really like the idea of Axe being our first like podcast sponsorship partnership kind of deal because I think Axe wants to be a disruptor in the space to a degree in the same way that we do. Yeah, I think um, so. Like, you know, the, the first time that I, that somebody showed me the Axe handle, um, it was just, it was immediately apparent. I understood exactly what they were trying to solve. Mm -hmm. Um, and at the time I was coaching teeny tiny, tiny kids. Like my daughter was, was probably like first year coach pitch or something like that. And I was like, Oh yeah. So this just solves that palm up, palm down thing that I'm looking to solve. It just solves it. It just puts kids in a, in a position where they're automatically, the hands are oriented in a way that you, you should have stronger wrist at contact. And when you coach a bunch of like six, seven, eight-year-olds and you see just like gigantic amounts of deflection at contact because the wrist position is all over the place. Uh, it's just like, yeah, this is the um, this is the, the sophisticatedly simple way to mm -hmm. solve this problem. Yeah. Um, and, and then the funny thing is, is it like, you know, Axe rolled the, the handle for so long and 
developed all this other good stuff behind it. Like, so if you've only got one face of the bat that interacts with the ball, they have the double wall, right? So, so ideally, I mean, all the ax bats that I've had have just been absolute tanks. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, we spent, you know, a couple of weeks ago talking about hot bats and the ones that break all the time. Um, my kids ax bats, like I still bring them down here whenever we need them for like U trips or USAs or whatever. And, and they still swing and I don't, I haven't broken one of them. Yeah. I mean, we had entire teams swinging, the axe composites last year. Yeah. During Woodbat tournaments and they didn't break at all. Yeah. And like in, in my kids, our kids here hit a lot. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think axe recognized there are some, some older players I've found sometimes they get a little, uh, persnickety about, uh, Ooh, that's a great word about, you know, how they want the, the, the handle configuration to be. And especially for some kids that grow up on the, the round knob, sometimes it takes, it takes a while for them to come out of that. And axe is like, Oh, bet. Here's a flared knob. You you want the same benefit of like all this other technology and development and toughness that we put into our bats, but you've got an issue with the axe handle. Here's flared knob. Right. We'll, we'll solve that for you too. Right. Um, axbat.com code DL20, 20% off. Axbat, axbat.com code DL20, 20% off. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm really happy to do it. Uh, so shout out to Jay, shout out to Brent, um, all, all the guys over there at Axbat. Um, that understand what we're trying to do here. And again, to reiterate, uh, neither one of us, jet ski owners, don't have a boat, uh, no diamond in the Rolex. No. Um, all we're trying to do with this thing is put money in a kitty that we can give out to our families to allow them to participate here. Yep. Uh, and again, to reiterate, if you didn't listen to the whole spiel before this, we have kids that just play for us for free. Yep. Like, like legit for free. We cover the fees, we cover the uniform, we buy helmets or bats or whatever. Like we're trying to do this the right way. Um, so to be able to have partnerships with companies like Axbat that understand the mission of what we're trying to do uh, and are able to kind of support us in this mechanism, it's great. So if you need a bat for this coming spring season, axbat.com, code DL20, 20% off. If you want to just like financially support kids being able to do this thing and you might not really need a bat, but you want to buy some bats, Aspet.com, code DL20, 20% off. You know they have a wiffle ball bat? Intriguing. Yeah, I want to get one. I actually, I, I'm i going to go, anyways, I'm going to buy some You're going to use that code? Yeah, I mean, I could probably just, I'll do both. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Axbat.com, code DL20, 20% off. Um, okay. And, and for my part. Yes. Ax uh, also is similar to us in that they're constantly looking to develop and make their products better. Whereas I I don't interact with a ton of bat companies in, in my role. Yeah. Uh, but in my role with track, I interacted with a lot of baseball tech companies. And oh, sure. I will say not all of them actually care about making their products better in terms of develop being a better developmental tool. They want to make them better in terms of making them cheaper to produce and increasing the margins on their product in a lot of cases, which is business. But like very few of these companies like Axe are like actively looking to make a better developmental tool for kids, which uh, feeds very well into what we do here. So we really appreciate them. I mean, a hundred percent. And if you look at like the line that they have right now, you know, um, whether it's game bats, speed training bats, hand-eye coordination, short bats, long bats, like you're talking about a company that like is really, again, they're, they're interested in solving problems they're interested mm -hmm. in development. And you know, the, the great thing about the working relationship that we've had with Axe uh, for years and years now is like, 
we can kind of go like, hey, I, I got a thing. Yeah. You're like, I have a thought. Yeah. Um, if, if you didn't know this, they are right down the road from us. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're very closely located. Yeah. Um, and, and to have someone who uh, is interested in having that conversation, not strictly from a perspective of commerce, but in a perspective of, oh, you guys are like at the, you guys have the proverbial boots on the ground and right. understand that the problems you're trying to solve with your hitters and they're interested in, like, we have this crazy idea about, hey, I want a 37-37 long bat. Yeah. Because if you're an adult hitter um, that can kind of, like, get away with some stuff mechanically when you swing your gamer, but you can't with a 37-37, they'll make it for us, yeah. you know? Um, and that initiative will continue in the youth space when I have, like, a, you know, there, there's some other stuff coming down the road. Stuff cooking. Yeah, we got some stuff cooking um, that I'm I'm really, really, really excited about. We're going to have to spend, like, a whole episode talking about how we did a thing in a very different fashion that I'm so flipping excited about it. I want to talk about it now. I shouldn't because it's not like I don't you can't. Yeah. But stay tuned. Soon come. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, soon come. Stay tuned. We appreciate so, you, Axe. Yeah, absolutely. So axbat.com code DL20 uh, Diego Legume 20. Sure. DL20. They won't forget that now. Diego Legume. Um, and uh, this is a good segue into, uh, I guess, what we want to talk about today, which is like the ingredients of successful hitting. And I will be honest in that sometimes when I think about recording another episode talking about hitting, there's a part of me that's like, uh, we've beat this horse to death. You know, like I use the, the um, you know, the uh, the South Park. He's beating that horse to death. The jello clip. Yeah. yeah. Um, but obviously, like, obviously that's not true, right. right? Like, obviously that's not true because we continue to have, you know, conversations like this on um, on Twitter. Um, and in so much as, you know, Twitter uh, does kind of function as like our, our town hall. X. Uh, the social media uh, <laughs> platform du jour that I refuse to acknowledge its new naming. Um, and I think it's important, again, like I... I you gotta you gotta acknowledge the fact we're talking about youth baseball, right? And and largely, it's people that are participating in the space that aren't participating professionally. Parents and coaches, uh, a lot of whom just kind of do this on a volunteer basis. And there's a smaller group of like select and travel ball coaches. And I suppose you know I'm, we are in that space, um, but I think a lot of them. The problem is the people on the professional side. What we say tends to reverberate a little bit. So the issue that I have with people that kind of misframe the ingredients of successful hitting is it's like you are, you, it's just like an oil spill, you know, like it's, there's a small area of effect initially. And then the more that that stuff gets propagated, the worse that it gets. So, and I quote, and the tough thing is, is like, I actually saw this, who this quote came from and it's somebody that follows me. So again, I don't know if that's a, that's a hate follow and it's fine. Like, I'm not trying to, you know, put this guy on the spot, but like, it's, it's worth talking about. Right. Um, so quote, a lot of people believe that the weight room will help you dominate in the batter's box. Dot, dot, dot. Well, it's time to think about mechanics again. Hmm. Some things, sometimes uh, simple swing mechanics and good bat to ball skills translate into power over the course of time. Sure. Um, and to, to kind of frame this, uh, this quote, um, the discussion was was made by by somebody who um, uh, had some some stuff to get off his chest. 
said, uh, I see a lot of bit players. Uh, I see a lot of bench press going on with baseball players and some softball players. Why? Fun fact, King Griffey Jr. could barely do 135 pounds and hits balls harder and farther than anybody. So I don't think that's true. So, you know, uh, because I care a lot, because I have some time on my hands for stuff like this, um, there is a video of Ken Griffey Jr. saying um, saying that he doesn't think he can bench 135 pounds. And there is a quote of him saying, um, quote, this is, this is the kid. I don't lift weights, never have. Griffey said back in 1998, a year after he had hit 56 home runs and was named MVP, I probably can't bench press 200 pounds. The barrel of my bat is probably bigger than my biceps. Aha. Uh, flexibility is the key. It's the rubber band effect. Pull them suckers way back. So we got some layers here, right? Um, number one, you know, there's the rumor that like uh, Bo Jackson didn't lift weights. Right. Um, Herschel Walker uh, is another like great example of just like a biological outlier where like Herschel Walker would, you know, tell you that he eats like one meal a day and he does, uh, you know, a thousand push ups and a thousand sit ups and a thousand squats every single day and, and you know, yada, yada. Well, there was that uh, video that was within the last month of DK Metcalf. Sure. 100%. Talking about his his diet. And the fact that he eats like two bags of candy and a cup of coffee a day, and that's basically it. Oh, uh, Chad, o- Chad Ochocingo, uh, his Ochocingo, McDonald's yeah. diet, yeah. right? Um, so uh, to be clear, dear listener or hate listener, whatever, uh, picking genetic outliers. <laughs> Good like, luck. If, like, you're, you're, if your kid's Ken Griffey Jr. or Bo Jackson, don't listen to this podcast. What you? We got nothing to teach you. It's like, you know... Well, Superman can fly into the sun. Yeah. Why, why can't I? Yeah. That guy's an alien, dude. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. This is this is just like uh, correlation, not causation. Yeah. Uh, are there a small number of athletes who have incredibly strange relationships with nutrition and training that are still like outliers in skill in their sport specific skill? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, does that mean it's going to work for you or your kid? Or, to be really clear, that your child, who isn't that, your kid is not Superman. Your kid isn't Wolverine, right? He doesn't have an adamantium skeleton and, uh, you know, the ability to, like, recover from wounds major and minor. There you go. Um, Your child is not that. So trying to take that person's example and go, like, well, that's the path for me, man. Square hole round peg. The funny thing is, is like in the Griffey quote, he's talking about the stretch shortening cycle. Stretch the rubber band. Correct. He, that's exactly what he's talking about. So, <laughs> so like, and the funny thing is that like that, that thought is something that you can train, right? But to effectively train it, yes, you need to train uh, flexibility, right? If your uh, reliance on f- stretch shortening cycle is kind of your training paradigm, but you have the mobility of like a 90-year-old in a wheelchair, well, you're probably not going to get much out of that. Correct. So what do you need to do? Well, you need both, right? Like you need flexibility, the ability to kind of engage and stretch, but you also need sheer muscle force or power. And I I don't want to get into this stupid conversation about the difference between strength and power because like it, I, it's redundant. Uh, I think it's largely immaterial to this discussion. And like, look, you know, if... Stan Efferding wants to come on the pod and talk about strength versus power or Bonderchuk or whatever. Sure, I'll listen. For the purposes of this discussion, 
let's just say that like you need to be able to produce force. And you need to be able to produce force within a specific window of time. If you want to call that strength, if you want to call that power, I don't care. I just know that that's stuff that you need to have. And if Ken Griffey Jr. had that without being able to uh, bench 200 pounds or 135 pounds, whatever, that doesn't mean that that path is like suitable for you or the athletes that you work with. Well, this is one of those things like you're so close to the point, like right on the goal line. Like you're, he is saying, uh, you need to have this. I am lucky because I never worked at it and I just have it. But you but, need, but, to but have you it. need it. And it's just like people are just like, well, you don't have to work at it. That, that's what he said. So like, I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna do that thing. Like, I'm not gonna put any effort into it. I'm just gonna. Cross my fingers and hope I'm Ken Griffey Jr. Like that's, and you know, uh, hope is a poor development yeah, strategy. It's, it's not great. It's not the best. So the funny thing is, is that uh, there's another once hometown hero of uh, our Seattle Mariners who had a different story. Willie Bloomquist. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he's got a different story. Brendan Ryan, uh, Spike Owen. I can keep going. Um, so there's this clip. Uh, flying around uh, Instagram of A-Rod kind of telling his story. No, I, I, it's not where I thought this was going to go. <laughs> oh, I picked this one because I knew it would turn your gears. Uh, and A-Rod is giving like this talk in front of some auditorium and he's like telling this kind of like rags to riches story of, well, you know, I, I was cut from my high school team and I just decided I was going to work harder. And then I work, I worked hard. Right. This is the whole like put your head down, do it the way it's always been done, mm -hmm. and you're just going to get what you want. Right. I, I put my head down and I worked hard. And then I turned out like, and all these major league teams wanted me. And I was like, because I, I knew that A Rod was a, I knew of A Rod as like a good uh, young kid in Miami that was just like a stud, but I didn't know any of this other stuff. So A Rod's initial framing of kind of his hero's journey. About like, you know, I, I was I was not very good and then I just wanted it more than everybody else. Yeah. And I got better and I was like, well, let me let me let me dig around a little bit. A-Rod's journey to baseball superstardom didn't have a happy beginning. As Sports Illustrated, Joe Meyer told the tale a few years back, Rodriguez's high school career began with him getting cut from the varsity squad as a freshman at Columbus High in Miami. Okay. That maps. Uh, he... <laughs> He went on to make the varsity team at Westminster Christian as a sophomore, but he was more of a classic all-fielding, no-hitting shortstop than a new-age Cal Ripken-esque uh, slugging, slugging shortstop. Uh, I saw him more of a defensive player than an offensive player, said then-Westminster coach Rich Hoffman. This is where it gets good. Mm. Like something out of a Rocky montage, A-Rod then started to put on weight. Huh. He gained 25 pounds and started doing 300-pound reps on the bench press. Next thing anyone knew, he proceeded to hit 505 with nine home runs as a senior in 1993 and found himself atop MLB draft boards. Tell me he specifically tells kids to not bench press. Is that like in part of this like speech that he's giving is like, don't bench press. It's bad for you. Well, he does. He I haven't seen him with any bench press takes. But what he did say, uh, like on his Instagram not too long ago, was like uh, very just abject out on anything. Velocity training, right? Yeah. No, yeah. Like. Yes, and it's people like, send that to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, just don't don't worry about it until you're um, you know, until you're 17, 18. Mm. So this is very much a do what I say, not what I do type of deal, right? On on numerous levels. On numerous levels. Well, uh, you're just you just gotta want it more than everybody else. 
Oh, but wanting it happens to also coincide coincide in drastically increasing the rate and uh, amount of force you produce. That helped. Hmm. This is my surprise face. Like, it's just, it's cognitive dissonance 101. And it's like, we're going to go from cherry picking extreme outliers to like, uh, just basically ignoring sheer facts about how guys got better. So A-Rod is benching three hundo uh, as, a, as a high school senior, as a high school junior. That, that, that's, an, that's good. Yep, that's pretty significant. Yep. That's good, right? Like, and to, to know that that's a fact, to literally know that that's a fact, but then also go like, well, you know, you just, you should just wait, dude. Just wait. What do A-Rod's draft prospects look like as an all-defense, not power-hitting shortstop when he's 17 and 18? He looks like every other shortstop in the country. So I've got so many other questions that this has opened up. Uh, not the least of which, Miami. In the mid-90s. Well, and and let's call a spade a spade, right? The guy was involved with a certain doctor down there that uh-huh, might have later. been, you know, right. So like later, r- true. But like, uh, would we be shocked if it came out that this was happening when he was in high school and that contributed to this twenty-five pound gain in him benching? But who knows? And no, then, I would not be shocked. Uh, and then the other uh, thing that jumps out to me is that he got he didn't make the varsity team at one school and wound up at a different school. Uh-huh. I would love to know the story. Oh, sure. Of what happened at school one that led him to school two, because I would also be willing to bet that he's the person who's standing up there uh, railing on kids nowadays for. Uh, oh, how much of that maps directly to everything about the NIL? The and NIL, like the, right? The exactly. Portal, yada yes, yada. Yes, and yeah. like that, it, he. It sounds uh, well. At least what I'm getting from that is. Didn't make it as a on a varsity as a freshman. Was very upset and decided he was going to switch schools to get a better opportunity. Yep. And then it's probably a dude who now is telling kids that that's not the right thing to do. You just got to want it more. Yeah. Like you just got to put your head down and want it more than that guy who who beat you out, and like you'll be fine. It's like, oh, is that what you did? That's that exactly what you did. You just got to have eighty grade want. And it's like I I love I love this idea that like. Well, it's just going to be the like the wantingest of the wanters that that's going to be the one. Like, if sheer desire is all it took, right? If sheer desire was like the thing that's going to get you to the place that you want to go, I don't think that you would see that many kids in college that don't go on to play professional baseball. No. Right? Uh... Because, of course, it doesn't work that way, man. Like, of course. And, you know, this this other idea that continues to get propagated around whenever you're talking about baseball and bench press um, is like 90 degrees, right? Don't let the elbows go past 90 degrees. Can you just take a look at the human body when we're swinging and hitting? Just take a look. Because, like, is this my load position? Or is it a little bit here, right? If if I'm throwing, am I, am I literally just here? It's maybe a little bit more. And, you know, I'm, I'm aware that, like, facts don't matter. Um, but the tricky thing is, is just we have enough data uh, about correlations. Correlations between, uh, let's just talk about velocity. Throwing velocity, specifically, because that's the thing that we, we arguably have more data on than anybody else. Uh, 
Um, there are certain ranges of movement and ability to uh, get into those ranges that have very direct correlations with throwing the ball harder. Um, things like hip to shoulder separation, things like uh, amounts of horizontal shoulder abduction, uh, these things matter from like a very simple physics perspective. As far as I understand, not a doctor, not a physicist, kind of a dummy, but I work with smart people. The longer that you have to accelerate an object, the greater you can accelerate that object. So the reason why things like hip to shoulder separation and horizontal shoulder abduction matter is because you have more distance to accelerate the object. Um, and the funny thing is, is like there aren't a lot of javelin throwers that get TJ. You know? What about quarterbacks? Sure. Yep. We throw a heavier ball have no pitch count yep. but definitely make well over 100 throws with that heavy ball on sundays go one level deeper we're moving into more of a passing dominated nfl uh offense right where is the correlation between the rise of passing at the nfl level and ucl surgery and UCL for quarterbacks is that a thing we're seeing nope boy i wonder why <laughs> i wonder why because mysteries of the universe are never going to be able to solve this stuff um so uh god i hate a rod there's <laughs> there's so many kids out there who want it really bad yeah and you're gonna listen to that idiot and be like well i can't like there's nothing for me to do i know because i want it just as bad as he did and like i'm not getting any better that if he were to just say like yeah you gotta want it that's that is like i'm not gonna argue with him that's probably the biggest piece sure of, of course like if you don't want it it doesn't matter how much you lift or how yeah. genetically uh, enhanced you are. Uh, <laughs> you have to want it. So I, I get yep. that. Yeah. Uh, but like maybe throw it out there that that you bench pressed a lot when you were in high school and that's how you got big. Or like throw out there some of the things you did that made you hit that many home runs and be that good at baseball for that long a time and not just tell kids to want it. I, I because would... the kids are out there wanting it wanting to know wanting a little bit more direction of where can i direct my desire like how like i want this really bad yeah what do i do and he has them in a spot where they're probably standing with a bat in front of a mirror taking dry swings looking at their mechanics i mean i would settle for anything or a video i guess nowadays not a mirror, I, I, I would settle for anything actionable you know like you're right wanting it is important because we presume that there's like personal accountability and ownership that comes with that. I've seen incredibly talented people who don't make it because they don't want it. That's, sure. it, that's not uncommon. Sure. But like to your point, uh, these guys who played in the show, they, they reach this mountaintop that normal people don't reach. They have voice and carry and influence. And they, I think the reason that you and I, uh, it grinds our gears to put it mildly when an a rod or a smoltz or anybody is in that position and says this type of nonsense is because you you have an opportunity to like tell a kid the truth hey like strength is just important and and they'll listen to you and, right they will because because you have you have a capacity for authority that like i'm never going to have right i'm never going to have i I, until I am 
on my flippin' deathbed, I will learn everything I can about this. And I will listen to very smart people on both sides of the equation, people that have gotten into the science and the weeds of kind of what we think is happening or what's important or what's good and how do we quantify these things and also people that have experience. You know, like I'm never going to forget the conversation I had with uh, Robbie Tenero, it's the Birdman's driveline trainee, uh, when he was in the offseason last year. Um, and I just said, Bird, I was like, man, I-, I need you to help me understand this like swing down thing because he's he's competing at the highest level. And he's got coaches that are talking about, you know, getting on top of the ball. And I was like, man, you got to help me understand this thing. And he's like, yeah, it's just, it's relative to velocity. You know, it's, this is feel not real. Um, But I think that the reason that we want to understand the difference between feel and real is because for those of us who are working with kids, I need to give that kid a direction that's real. I can't train a kid who's eight to 18 with insight and perspective that's relative to one specific environment. This isn't golf, you know, like St. Andrews is St. Andrews. And if you're a 14 year old playing St. Andrews or you're Phil Mickelson, Hey man, it's just, the course is laid out the way that it is. The competition environment isn't different other than T position, I suppose. Um, 14U baseball is not MLB baseball. 18U baseball is not MLB baseball. College baseball is not MLB baseball. So when you have these guys that have that perspective from the highest level of competition, they're just like, well, you just got to get on top. If my kid is 10, first year kid pitch, average descent angle of those pitches is like, let's say 20 to 30 degrees. Yeah, it's probably around right. right? Yeah. And I'm telling that kid, you. You just got to get on top of it. And it is my, and I am talking to my child, right? (laughs) Square hole, round peg. The instruction that I'm giving doesn't map the competition environment. It ain't going to work. And you have the, you have the capacity to do the other thing. Hey kid, you should probably just like love this game really, uh, at a very, very deep level. And you should get good at moving fast. And you should get good at producing force. And if you don't do either one of those things naturally, you should train to develop those attributes within yourself. That's the thing that you should want the most. You could do that. You have an opportunity to do that, but you don't. Um, and and like you know, the reason that like you know guys like JP. So JP Fasone uh, is one of our trainers here at Driveline. Um, follow JP on Twitter if you're not already. JP had a great thread uh, in the last week or so um, talking about misses. This is the Acuna thread, right? Yes. Yeah. That um, I looked at, I was like, man, JP, you're, you're the best. And just, then saw one of the comments being like, I don't think this is a miss. They're like, he hit the ball 98. You think he, like, if he, if he hit it flush, like, that's not a miss. Like, I, like I, and then I, and then I closed the app. <laughs> and she's like, I can't, I can't look at. Yeah. Um, so Acuna hits a ball um, 121. Yeah, he, yeah. I yeah. mean, it did <laughs> 121.2. Yeah. Um, 19 degree launch angle, 454 feet. Yeah. I, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody hit a ball better than that. And, uh, and that's hitting it flush. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. The, I mean, we're, we're talking about the other, the, the upper extremity of how good you can be about bat speed and flush contact. Mm-hmm. Cause, cause those are the two degrees. So, so again, to, to, to back this all the way up. 
Uh, the point of, of JP's thread, he had two great threads in this last two weeks. One is kind of talking about misses, right? So the idea is that if Acuna has the capacity to go to buck 21, if he's flush and he's, and he's, we're talking about, you know, top end of bat speed, uh, top end of batted ball velocity or thrown ball velocity and top end of flush contact between round objects. A buck 21 is one of the things that's in play. Uh, the other thing that's in play is like uh, you can hit a ball 105 and with slice and still have it go out. Because again, collision between round ball and round bat, very difficult thing. Yeah. Um, and the tricky thing is that, like we understand the ingredients. And and I've I've said these, I've said this probably a bazillion times, and I'll say it a bazillion and one more. Um the master formula, as it's as it's described, is thrown ball velocity, batted ball velocity, or bat velocity, or bat speed, mm-hmm. right? I should say, and effectively just like collision efficiency, right? right? Because we're talking about round on round. And there's parts of that equation you can control. There's parts of that equation you can't control. Uh, what you can't control is incoming pitch speed, right? It's going to be what it's going to be. Which is the least important of those three inputs. And I'm so glad you said that <laughs> because we specifically understand yeah. how much it contributes. Thanks yeah. to the work of Dr. Alan Nathan, professor at the University of Illinois, thrown ball velocity imparts 0.2 miles an hour of exit velocity. And that's assuming... A perfect collision between bat and ball at best. So, uh, well, let's just do some math. I mean, we're, we're, we're only, you know, talking to the nerds here, right? So I might as well just do some math on air, right? So, like, I throw the ball 90 miles an hour and I get like, home, babe. Nice job. <laughs> that's the, <laughs> I, I don't think I could throw 65 right now. <laughs> Probably because of all the bench press I do. Yeah, it's true. Um, you're talking about like 1.8 miles an hour of exit velocity is what that's going to tr- contribute, right, on a 90-mile-an-hour pitch. Bat speed contributes 1.2 miles per hour. 1.2 is greater than 0.2. Yes. I mean, yeah, you know, I, yeah. public school graduate, yeah. but like pretty clearly one of those things is more important. Of course, the variable that's in play is how efficient you are it colliding these two objects together. So perfect world. Okay. Let's say I 70 mile an hour bat speed again. Babe. I'm, I'm, I don't think I could get actually, I was going to, I was going to gas myself up and then I probably can't. Um, 70 mile an hour bat speed, perfect collision. 84 miles an hour is probably what you'd be looking on at exit velocity. Plus the 1.8 that I got from the thermal ball velocity. I hit a ball 85.8. What does that tell you? 70 mile an hour bat speed at the major league level, it's not that great. If I'm doing that math right, it's not that great. Does that mean that um, that you can't get a base hit? It's a different conversation. Yeah. It's not what we're talking about. You can uh, slice and end job or handle balls that get through defenses that aren't positioned correctly or can't make a play like stuff's going to happen, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the master formula, the collision between bat and ball. And how do we get the most out of that as possible relative to the stuff we can control. Right. And like, Hey, look again, uh, I will grant you hate listener. Uh, if you have great bat speed and you can't find a barrel doesn't matter. Sure. 
But like, I think all the time about like stuff that you would say from the batter's box. Ugly swings matter. Yeah. Ugly swings matter, right? And the difference between, let's say, an ugly swing. Uh, let's let's talk about a kid on your team who's let's say he's got uh, sixty. So let's say seventy mile an hour bat speed on your team. Okay. Um. Jackson Holiday, perfect example of this. Literally like a week ago in his first AAA at bat. Uh he's a lefty, was probably looking for something for looking for something firm, got a fastball that broke away, and he ends up like way front foot on it, just kind of flicking the barrel at it, finds a gap, gets into the double. Gets gets him a, a double that they probably should have been tagged out if they actually made the throw, but I digress. Um if he's got 75, 80 mile an hour bat speed. And he's way out front and he uh, is like just trying to like buy something. Let's say you take 30% off of there, right? Roughly. I mean, it's it's like in its emergency hack. I think it's a one, two count. So he's got 80 mile an hour bat speed and we're going to take a third of it off. That's still 56. It's enough to get through. Right, it was enough to get that thing to find some grass and get through uh, the right side. If he's got seventy mile an hour bat speed, and you take a third off, forty nine. Probably not a lot of successful batted ball outcomes are predicated on forty mile an hour, forty nine mile an hour bat speed. No, you better have speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you you better be Byron Buxton because that's a that's an infield chopper. Right, right. I mean. Not getting a whole lot of balls out of the infield at 49 miles an hour, no matter what age you are. No. And I understand that, like, you know, people, I think there's a difference sometimes between the way that coaches approach this stuff and, and trainers approach this stuff, right? Because I think from, from a trainer's perspective, it makes sense that we want to focus on variables we can control in our little, like, highly specific controlled environment. For sure. And the game is the game. Mm-hmm. But the the problem is, is that if we acknowledge what's true in training and we raise max bat speed and we raise the floor along with it, we are raising our capacity to have more productive bat to ball outcome when we do get fooled. Right. Like that, that's just the way that that works. Softer stuff gets turned into outs. Harder stuff generally is harder to turn it like the, it. Do we really have to have a conversation about how good it is to hit the ball hard? Apparently, I mean, yeah, apparently we do. It, it's just, it, you know, it, it blows me away. And so, so again, to like to walk it all the way back. Our sport is a power producing sport. It's just power production in a limited window of time relative to uh, an object that's almost never going to be in the same place. And you have to make a decision about where and when to produce your power with incomplete information. It's not golf. I get like, it's, it's so, it's so impossible. Like if you start to like, think about the physics of the the whole thing, like how does anybody ever hit? Right. Oh, I think about that all the time. Like how, how adaptable are human beings that you can make a decision about a oldest Chapman throwing like one Oh three seven and find a barrel. Right. How, How? Yeah. How it's, that's insane. But if we understand that that stuff's involved, well, we can train it. Like, we can train global amounts of force production. We can train force production in a very specific window. And I, it just, it, 
Again, I'm going to continue to beat this horse dead for as long as I can because I feel like when people propagate that stuff and coaches listen to it or parents listen to it and then they put that on kids, you're just doing them a very significant disservice. Yes. Like, it's just, it's it's not helping anybody get better. No, and I, like, I feel like the sport that baseball demographically is probably closest to is... Uh, is probably football, although it's probably somewhere between football and golf, I would say, at this point. Yeah. And, like, I mean, golf doesn't, like, yeah, people didn't like Bryson for when he first came up for a while, but, like, they don't seem, I don't see, and I'm not all that, I mean, I'm not all that much on, on X to begin with, but, yeah. like, I'm not all that much on golf social media. So, like, I don't know if these arguments are happening over there where, like, why are these guys driving the ball farther? Like, this is yeah. bad. Like, I don't, I doubt that argument is happening. Uh, it could be, and I just don't know about it. And like football, can you ever imagine someone making an argument that like quarterbacks shouldn't bend for us because then they wouldn't be able to throw it as hard? No. Like, like I, I mean, that their culture wouldn't support that. I don't think. I agree with you. You know, and that's like I would say, and again, maybe I'm wrong. There's definitely numbers out there to prove I'm wrong if I am, but like, is that, I, I would say that's like the most common two sport athlete is baseball, football. Yeah. feels like it. Like I mean, it might be, yeah. it might be football, basketball now, but like, yeah. I, I feel like probably football, baseball is one of the pairings that's up there. If not, it feels like it like, for sure. The number one. And like, you would think the culture would tie a little bit across those sports where like you got football guys playing baseball and they're like, yeah, it's not that bad to lift. Like I'm, I lift a lot during football season and it doesn't make me a worse baseball player. Um, and then the other kids would be like, oh, like the best kid on my team plays football. And he's strong. And he's like big and strong. I wonder if I started lifting weights, would I, would I be able to match some of that output or get closer to some of that output? And like, I was just thinking about that yesterday as I'm watching the amount of throws some of these quarterbacks are making. Cause you know, they're making 50 throws in a game. Yep. Uh, and that doesn't include any throw they make uh, that a penalty gets called and the play comes back, uh, which is probably five. You could add another five throws yep. in there, if not more. Yep. Anything pregame, yep. which I would imagine's got to be a hundred throws, if well, not more, if yeah. not yeah, way yeah. more. Anything like the amount of shots of quarterbacks warming up on the side while the defense mm -hmm. is on the field, like they're making 200, 250 throws on a Sunday, and some of those with a throws... heavier ball than a baseball. And like, we don't like, why, like, why don't we hear some of the same concerns? Why, why is that like, and just the light bulb doesn't go on for people. Well, and some of those throws are like 50, 60, 70 yards. Long toss. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I've heard, you know, well, it, it you know, the, it, the release is different. Yeah, sure. They're throwing a slider. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, you know, they're throwing a slider with a heavier ball, and right. uh, and they're okay. Right, uh, but I, you know, I digress. Yeah, well, to to put a to put a button on this whole conversation about uh, bad advice, reality of bat ball collision, the fact that you can actually train and improve rates of force production, but also that like you shouldn't um, look to biological outliers as like a is your north star for training advice. Here, look up the Aaron Judge high school stats. I've not. So uh, high K rate, I bet. <laughs> uh, as a baseball California player, kid. yeah. As a baseball player, 
Um, and, batter 500. Okay, I, I was going to say, I don't want to be a dick, but like, it, it, look, Fresno State, not a bad school. Shout out to Tyre Starwalt. They're Shout not, out to Tyre Stone. It's, it's also like not uh, where you'd go if you're a California kid dominating the California showcase. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, right, so we hit 500. Uh, hit 500, seven pumps, 32 ribbies, uh, 6-0 and with a .88 ERA. His Can you football. imagine that dude coming off the mound? Nah, I want no pizza of that. Uh, his football stats. 54 receptions, 969 yards, and 17 touchdowns. Yeah. He's tight end, too, right? Or was he right? I believe, I believe he was a tight end. Yeah. Uh, his basketball stats. 18.2 points per game, 12.8 rebounds per game, which is kind of light for a guy that size. I don't know. That's I mean, that's that's not bad. Yeah, I mean, I guess high school, it's, it's short. You're right. Yeah. Um, but, like, in... The same people that would tell you that like bench press is not important. Idolize this guy. Would go, this is the reason everybody's got to play multiple sports. Right. And it's like, turn that on its head. <laughs> what exactly is it about this guy that allows him to be just like incredibly dominant at all of these different sports? Part of it you can control, part of it you can't, right? He could just be tall and weak, right? And I've seen... I've seen plenty of kids like that. Yeah. He's tall and strong and athletic. Can't control size so much, right? I, I mean, you can some of it. Sure. Um, but like height is largely going to be what it's going to be. Right. But you don't have to be weak and you don't have to be non-athletic. These are things that you could train. Anyways, yeah, I just, I thought it was funny because we were talking about like the multi-sport thing and just like, yeah, like there is an example of that guy who was really that dude at all the sports that were all like recently in our memory. He wasn't just tall. He wasn't just big and weak. Right. And like most, I, I, I don't know, maybe most is the wrong term here, but like a large amount of major league baseball players and probably even minor league baseball players if you want to loop them in. Also played at least two sports in high school. Yeah. Because they're great. Because they're really good athletes. And like, I don't understand how people fail to find that correlation. And like, sure, you can throw up your hands and be like, well, my kid's never going to be a good athlete. And it's like, okay, with that attitude, sure. But like, that's a thing you can work on and yeah. develop and train and get better at. Yeah. And just, I, you know, the, the more that people um, don't tell the truth about those are being things that you can develop. It's just like it. I, and I think that is still lost on a lot of people. Yeah. That like you can, you can develop being a better athlete. Like yeah. that is a thing you can work on and get better at. Like you're not, uh, as fast as you are today. Doesn't, isn't the fastest you could ever be. Like you could get faster. Like that is how training works. Like you could yeah. do that. And, and that doesn't mean that like, there isn't also going to be some kid who has the God given thing. Sure. Because that exists too, but like one doesn't invalidate the other, right? You know? I, so, for for that piece, uh, as a, a scout, one of the things that was uh, covered when scout school, shout out to RIP scout school, RIP scout school. But one of the things that we taught was every you can go back and you can find outliers. Yeah, you can find guys you missed on, and like. You're going to have reasons for why you miss on them or whatever, but like you can go back in every draft and find somebody that every single team passed on. Yeah. Um, whether they pass on them for one round, two round, three round, or 35 rounds. Like there are, there are guys that miss. Uh, 
you will never uh, be successful as a scout if you spend your entire existence trying to find those guys. Yeah. You don't scout based on the outlier. The outlier is the happy coincidence that happens if you're doing your job right. You scout based on the rules that you know. Of like, it's really hard to play baseball if you aren't throwing the ball 90 miles an hour. Yeah. Like to play professional baseball if you're not throwing the ball 90 miles an hour or hitting the ball 95 miles an hour. Like, yeah. it's hard, borderline impossible. And if you spend the entire draft trying to find, hey, like this pitcher, Kyle Hendricks, got taken out of like a small school and like has a, a decade in the bigs because uh, of his movement and command. Uh, Sure, go try to find that guy. I am going to find 20 guys uh, who don't, who granted don't have his command and maybe not his movement. Uh, but I bet five of those 20 guys, if I'm scouting on the, on, on throwing the ball hard and, and being able to spin a baseball, I bet five of those guys are going to be, have just as productive careers for my team. And like, that's how you scout. Like, if you yeah. just try to get the outlier every time, you are not going to be very successful because there's a reason that person was an outlier to begin with. Yeah. Like there's a stereotypes exist for a reason and I'm not all stereotypes, but like, well, I guess they all do exist for some reason, but like in yeah. baseball scouting parlance, like the stereotypes kind of matter. They're kind of true. Like, yeah. you know, people laugh at like the money ball, like the not taking a kid based on his body. And like, I don't know, man, like the, the big athletic body, like, yeah, like, Sure. Do I see like Dustin Pedroia and I'm like, man, it would be great if that dude won MVP. Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah. if I see Justin Pedroia and I'm trying to think of a and Dan Ugla. Sure. Next to each other. Like Dan Ugla's got a better body. Like that dude is way stronger than mm -hmm. Dustin Pedroia. And in that instance, Dustin Pedroia was a better baseball player mm -hmm. over the long run. They both made the majors, but like and Dan Ogle was definitely an all-star because I'm pretty sure he made three errors in one all-star game, and I'm never going to forget that. <laughs> right. But, uh, like, you, if you focus on the outlier and push everything, all your chips in towards the outlier, mm -hmm. you uh, are never going to be successful. And, like, if you're a kid growing up who really loves baseball and you see someone like Alex Rodriguez or John Smoltz or, like, Someone I'd, I'd never thought I would put in that sentence, Ken Griffey Jr., because I love you, Ken Griffey Jr. You're, you're the kid. You're not A-Rod and you're not John Smoltz, and I can't believe I put you in that same sentence. But like, if you hear someone like that saying, yeah, I didn't, I didn't lift, uh, you can be like, wow, that's lucky. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. That's not you. Yeah. And like, if you think that's you, you are not going – like your desire is never going to get you all the way like it did them. They had traits that – are outliers that made them really, really good. And the other part of this is, and this is like, I grew up a Bulls fan in the 90s in Chicago. I will never say anything bad about Michael Jordan, but like the whole notion that he got cut from his team yeah. in high school is just like a story that makes it sound like, hey, you could do this too. Like when, when, when my kid come, comes home and he gets cut, I can tell him that, you know who else got cut? The best goddamn basketball player who ever lived. He got cut from his team. Yeah. Are we, these are freshmen getting cut from varsity teams. Yeah. Is that really like that? Yeah. Is that, is that that like, big of a slight? Right. Like, I mean, the freshman that doesn't get cut from varsity and that is like an immediate starter on varsity or the one who thinks he should be like an Alex Rodriguez yeah. is probably already very talented. 
and has done some good things to get to that point. The notion that you can get cut from a team and just want it more and all of a sudden you have overcome all of these things that initially got you cut from that team uh, just like aren't true. It's, it's, not, it's not true. Like Alex Rodriguez didn't make varsity as a freshman. That's okay. A lot of guys don't make varsity as a freshman. And like, and, and the problem again, the problem is that like the, the further you believe that fallacy, the farther you miss opportunities to actually cultivate and develop the athletic traits that are actually going to make you better. Right. You, you can sit there and be like, well, you know, if I had made varsity, I might've been in the bigs at this point. And like, he has given you that excuse to sit there and think that and, and say that. Yeah. Yeah. And like the real ones know that that's not an excuse. That's just go put in more effort. Yeah. And like. Man, if I told any of these, any of my 15-year-old freshmen that, like, if you don't make it onto your varsity team, you should just, quit, find another school, and then just want it way more than you did last year. Yeah. Uh, man, I'd have to hang it up. Yeah. Because they would all quit on me, I'm pretty yeah. sure, and well, move I mean, to another org. And, like, you know, we had Project Proven Wrong last year that, like, literally, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, okay, we had some high school kids that didn't make their high school teams. We knew they had some stuff they needed to address. And we took the time to address it. Mm-hmm. And like, that's, that's how that works. Yep. That, and, that's just how that works. And we gained two miles an hour of velo and two miles, two and a half miles an hour in exit velo in six weeks. Yeah. And uh, didn't do that by wanting it more. We just sat there and just talked. It was like a want circle. Yeah. Five days a week. Yeah. Just going to talk about our Yeah, they didn't, they didn't throw. They, didn't, they did not lift. We did not have the, like the hour... A day that we had him in the weight room was just sitting in a kumbaya circle talking about how much they wanted that yeah. spot over some of these guys that got it on their team. Or just like grabbing some dumbbells and getting closer to closer to 90. And yeah. then everybody's like, no, no, stop. No, 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 no. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. reset, reset. Yeah. Um, God, man. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Can you imagine I, how much, how frustrating he must have been to coach? Sorry. I just did. Like getting that in there too. Like that. He must have been the worst. Yeah. To, to have on your team. Just like the guy who's really good and doesn't think it takes any effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's got to be aggravating. Yeah. It's just completely aggravating. Yeah. Just like, because then everybody else is just going to follow that example. Yeah. I've been in, I have been in dugouts where that has happened. Yeah. And it's just like, God, like, yeah. he must have been the worst. Yeah. That that tracks. That tracks. That's from everything I know about him, yeah. <laughs> Accurate. Um, here's, so, here's my last plea. Yeah. Derek Jeter, come say something. Say something. Yeah. We we know you probably feel differently. Go just like we would love if you would and like I get you probably don't want to because you have a great life and you don't need to get into the muck with all these people on Twitter. But like you could do so much good if you opened your mouth because I don't think you would say these things. Yeah. And like you seem to be a a solid ambassador for the next generation of our sport. I I do wonder what like the next ten years are gonna look like. Because you're going to see, I think the the start of some career, the, the the start of the end of some careers where guys were able to leverage quantifiable information about what it took to get. You're already better. seeing in a lot of, in a lot of uh, like play by play booths. Yeah, you, no, you have you have some true. pretty smart young guys that yeah. are like young former recently retired ball players who are out yeah. there like saying the right thing. Yeah, um, I saw something on, uh, I think it was yesterday while I was watching football um, that. It was like, I think, I don't know, it was a Ringer article or some article that Joey Votto might want to, like, fade to black once he's done. Oh, yeah. I don't know that there could be something more devastating for our sport. 
Oh, man. That guy needs to be in a booth. Yeah. He needs to be talking to people and being an ambassador for our sport. And if we screw that up by making this such a toxic place that Joey Votto is just like, I'm going to go right off into the sunset. I don't need this. Like, this is a whole lot that I don't need. We have missed a huge opportunity because that guy is just delightful. And, like, we'll say the right things at every step and, like, it, that would be really frustrating to me if he's like, "Yeah, this is way too toxic of a, of a thing." Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna do this job. Yeah, and like, and we need, uh, we need someone at the top end of the food chain to, to like, of a, a Votto esque stature that can, like, yeah, man, I had some stuff I needed to improve on. I, I took the information uh, about relative to my level what I needed to get better at, and I focused on that, and I got better. You know, you can get into the weeds about, you know, could he have done that earlier? You know, would the career path have changed? Like, yeah, you know, time comes for us all. Like, that's that's part of it. But um, but to be able to have somebody, Vado-esque, or the man himself, talk to kids just about, like, the reality of man. Like, and again, uh, I don't think either one of us are suggesting that, you know, you should um, you should attack your bench press development the same way that, like, um, Ronnie Coleman would. You know, like, I'm not... I'm not saying that, but I am saying that like athleticism matters. Power production matters. Like you, you have to, if you acknowledge these things and you can start to develop them. And if you exist with blinders on and just listen to, you know, the, um, the litany of like guys that played in the nineties who seem to be everywhere. But it's none of the good ones. Like there's gotta be, there's gotta be somebody who played in the nineties that like, still remembers that it was fun. I don't know. I mean, they all... uh, And, like, I I will be honest, it's been a long time since I've listened to John Smoltz because the TV is just always on mute. I'd rather listen to Yoko Ono screaming. Uh, But, like, I have never heard him talk about fun or when they they have a younger audience, like an A-Rod on Instagram. Yeah. Does he ever tell kids? And, again, I don't follow him on Instagram, so maybe he does, and maybe I'm, I'm wrong here, but, like... Has, has he ever told kids to have fun um, and that, that in, playing baseball should be fun? You know, in so much as I like, I do dip my toe in that end of the pool, mostly to just like sample for content that we sure. get to talk about here. Um, it does seem like largely it's just, uh, it's don't do this. Tell him don't not, do that. Tell him what not to do. And it's, it's like the, the general vibe is negative. That? Right. Who? What child wants that? You know, like they get enough of that from our from their parents. Right. They get enough of that from their teachers. Right. They so like you you get enough of that from your coaches. Then you're gonna hop on social media. You've got some superstar that you idolize. It's like, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do yeah. that. Don't do this. And like, man, I I I get that some of that information is good. And here here's the the funniest thing. I think one of the the Griffey articles that I was reading before we did this is. Um, is uh, his dad had two rules for Griffey when playing. One, don't show up anybody on the field. Two, have fun. I like one of those rules. I, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm fine with both. I'm honestly, I'm, fine both. I'm honestly fine with both. You know, like for for a kid because he played with swag. Yep. So, uh, but like, I don't know that he ever showed up anybody. But like, yeah, I don't know that we'd be pimping home runs if it wasn't for Griffey. No, but I think he. You know, it's it's funny, like, he's the one that we are going to celebrate and put on a pedestal, 
and about like the about that specific thing that he brought to the game, which is a little bit more personality, a little bit more swagger, a little bit more expression. And we acknowledge that like that resonated so deeply that like you grew up in Chicago and you're like, he's the kid. Yeah. I was here and yeah. he's the kid. We have the same relationship with that guy yeah. because of the way that he played the game. Well, I, I mean, I was a kid in Chicago for the Sosa McGuire home run race and like, yeah. Well, I mean, nobody was doing anything McGuire related. I was a Cubs fan. Sure. But of like, course. everyone was doing the Sosa hop. Yep. When they yeah, yeah, man. Uh, nobody was doing his batting stance. Really? It was the Griffey batting stance yeah, with the yeah, hat yeah, backwards. Yeah, yeah. And then if you hit it, then you did the Sammy the the yeah. shuffle. But like, yeah, nobody, like, I mean, he, his was kind of weird. I don't know if you remember. Like, hands were out here, butt was kind of bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, way cooler to just like stand straight, you know, like, yeah. and, and be Griffey. Like, that was the he brought joy to the game. That like I don't ever I watched A Rod for a long time. I watched John Smoltz for a long. I don't ever remember them bringing like joy to the game of baseball. No. Um, which and and like and that's that's okay. Like, Joey Votto does. Yeah. yeah and like yeah, yeah, yeah oh yeah. that's totally okay. Yeah. Like I I'm not I like I I don't want to shit on like a player like Lance Lynn who sure. like I you know red you know, ass yeah all red the ass time. dude like yeah. not bringing joy but like. If he's it, Lance Lynn, I'm gonna have a problem with you. And if in 20 years you're in a booth talking shit, yeah, because that guy, because that like that like don't do that thing. Yeah, like you could do better than that. But like, I don't care if you're on a field doing that, being that guy. Yeah, just don't have your post playing career be sitting in a booth trying to be an ambassador for the sport when you're like not, you weren't a good ambassador for the sport where you were playing. Yeah, it just it, it drives me nuts. You've got like uh, a a lot of guys that played in that era where a junior was the dude, like juniors just the dude, and part of that is because of how he played the game. And then you look at like, I would say all of that honestly, like yeah. the vast majority yeah, 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 yeah. because yeah. of how he played. I mean, if he if he was terrible and he played with a lot of swagger, it wouldn't matter. Right. He was great. Yes. And played with a bunch of swagger. And then people took inspiration from that. And we had this like, oh, like we can actually play this oh, we game. Can do that. Right. And you can exist in that way where he is not disrupting Ken Griffey Sr.'s rules. Right. You know, he's not attempting to show anybody up. He plays the game super hard, run into a wall, run into a wall, break a wrist, et cetera, et cetera. But he's going to have some swagger. Yeah. And the children of that moment are now playing this game. And all those guys that played during Griffey's era are like, how dare you? But that's the thing is, it's not all of them. It's just yeah. the ones with microphones. It's, you're right. You're right. Because right. there's, there's probably a lot more of them that don't feel that way. Like, I can't imagine most of these guys feel that way. But uh, then, you're right. you know, I guess you get Jeff Bagwell uh, during the Houston World Series run being like, analytics are bad. Yeah, Sean Casey. Uh, Sean Casey. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're... There are a decent amount of these guys that are, yeah. like, analytics are bad. But, again, it's the one, like, Jeff Bagwell now has, like, a pretty large role in the Astros. Like, yep. it's the people that are getting roles, which, you know, then directs you back to, like, okay, who's running baseball and how did they feel about Ken Griffey? Yeah, be, well, you know, in the um, success leaves clues. And uh, in so much as it matters for the for the purposes of a youth baseball podcast and a youth baseball podcast audience, uh Watch what the Astros do over the next like three four years. It'll be it'll be interesting to see. And if you're a Mariners fan, it'll be fun. <laughs> you, yeah, you better hope. Um, because yeah, I, I just you know to to me at the end of the day, I think anything that uh, that pushes kids away from just the truth, 
the truth of what's good. Uh, if you're propagating that idea, then uh, man, I, I, you have no business speaking publicly to children or the parents of children about what's good in training. Yep. And honestly, you would have had me if, uh, it, like even not getting into the truth, like if you're just like pushing people away. Oh, sure. Period. Like, sure. Gatekeeping. Yep. Right. And like yep. talking about baseball in those terms is gatekeeping yep. because you're, he has kids that are listening to that, that like, oh, like there's no path forward for me. Like I want it really bad. That's not working. So like, I guess there's just no path forward for me. I'm not A-Rod. It's like, no, you're not A-Rod, but like, you could be Joey Wendell. <laughs> and nothing is really wrong with Joey Wendell, but like, you know, I, I uh, you know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I got Shout that. out Joey Wendell. I don't know if he's yeah. in the pot, but you were the first very average person that came to my mind. Yeah. Um, I, I just, it's, uh, I think it does the game a disservice. And there's a number of different ways you can do that mm -hmm. uh, by either making the environment incredibly repressive or you just don't tell people the truth about like how you got there or what's good or you act like that information isn't available. Right. And and again, you know, I, I said this on the, on the last pod and I'll say it again. You know, you could check all those boxes and you could still fail in our game. And that's how flipping hard it is. Mm -hmm. Like that's just, you know, it, it, again, it's not golf and it's not javelin, you know, like. It, it's not just like a throw it as far as you can thing. Uh, it, it's a different sport, but that doesn't mean that because of that, we should just like summarily disregard the clear signal that we have that we understand what's good and we understand that you can be developed. Yep. Like that, that to me is, is if we have capacity to revolutionize the way that children are growing up in this game, it starts with acknowledging those two things. And before that is, I think, an agreement that coaches have to come to that development is actually important. Yeah. It's important and it matters. I would love to do some or see, because I, I don't have time to do this, but like some sort of case study on the proliferation of children, of former big leaguers, mm -hmm. and what their developmental path looked like. Yeah. Because yeah. they're doing, a lot of these guys are doing something right. Because... We're not done oh, seeing yeah. children of big leaguers, yep. whether it's Guerrero or Bichette or yep. Bobby Witt or, I mean, you could even start it with Ken Griffey Jr., right? Like, they're like, yeah, Jackson Holiday. Yep. His yep. brother is potentially number one pick next year. Like, what do these big leaguers know? Yeah. What, what did they go through and then are telling, what are they telling their kids? Oh, that don't show up anybody in the field and just have fun. You think uh, you think uh, Matt Holiday is just telling his sons you should just want it the most? You I, think they have I don't. Wanting, you think they have wanting practice? I don't. I don't. I don't uh, either. I, I look at that kid as an 18-year-old, and I know that kid's been in a gym. You also look at, at, at Matt Holiday, and Matt Holiday, I, I would have to go look up quotes because I don't think any of these exist, but like, I don't think he's ever told kids to not get in a gym. Matt Holiday was a was a large... He was a unit, dude. It was, it was a, was a gym-built human being. Like That was not... He wasn't like the kid who looked pretty slender and like yeah, could a, get away with saying I did I don't spend time in the weight room. No. Regardless of the truth of that. Like Matt Holiday spent time in the weight room. And like look, you know, there's a version of Matt Holiday that isn't six four two forty. There's a version of Matt Holiday that was like six four one eighty. Correct. Right. And like uh Jackson Holiday was not um I mean he was a first round pick going into last summer or the circuit before like the fall circuit before yep. that, but he was not like one, one. Right. 
Right. Like people were like, oh, he's he's good, but like, oh, so he his development path was not linear and like Weird. he continued to get better and better and like as he grew into size cuz I think he was a little bit of a late bloomer. Yeah. Uh that's when he really took off. It's like, oh, huh. So if you have the foundation of the skills. Yeah. And then you get the size. Hmm. Strength to go with it. Hmm. It's weird. But there's a lot of that. And I'd be curious if someone do like a book where they talk to all of the kids and all the dads. And like for the dads, like how did you make it to the bigs? Yeah. And what did you turn around and want to do differently with your kid? And then for the kids, how does this, how did it look differently than like, have you ever talked to some of your teammates about their path? And like, what does that look like? Choppa, book number two. We just go. nailed the idea. There you go. It's going to be not about training and it's going to be about parents and children. And in, like, in a way, it's going to be about training. <laughs> in a way, it's going to be about training. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be about training. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, uh, I think it's worth considering when people uh, pop off about ideas like this that are not substantiated by fact or even anecdote what they're trying to gain by uh, like planting that flag, you know, like I, uh, to to me, uh, and again, you know, I'll, I'll just drop this at the end of what's probably already a little bit of a long podcast. Um, I I think player development has the capacity to be revolutionary. Like that's the whole idea is just not uh, accepting what you're given the, the cards that you're dealt biologically. It is inherently revolutionary to challenge that stuff and to develop systems that push you outside the boundaries of what you would just kind of receive with the, the want it training strategy, right? Want it practice. Um, and I, I think that's something that's really important. I think it's a pathway for more kids to get uh, more out of this game. It's not going to change the number of college baseball players. Cause you can't, right? you just, you, you can't, there are, you can't create more schools. So there aren't any more roster spots. Um, does it change the amount of uh, professional players? I don't give a shit. Uh, I do think it allows you to increase the amount of competitive high school baseball players that we can have in this country. Yeah, because it's, it'll, I don't know if it'll increase, I mean, it won't increase the amount of professional baseball players, right? Like that's going to say a pretty static number. Yeah. Probably won't increase the amount of college baseball players. Yep. It'll increase the competition level of both, but like yep. it won't do, the, the thing it'll do the most is high school. Yeah. Is high school baseball. We'll just get, um, become a much better product. Yep. Yep. It, because it's not, um, you know, it's not predicated on the hope strategy for player development. Correct. Yeah. So thank you guys. As usual, axbat.com code DL20, 20% off. Um, I've got some other stuff that we're cooking on. Uh, so hopefully that will not be the only sponsor we have. Uh, if you are interested in potentially sponsoring on the pod, Devin at drivelinebaseball.com, Devin with two E's. Um, what we're looking for. Uh, I think we're looking for companies that would allow us to uh, give a discount to our customers, uh, something that we can put in our kitty for sponsorship, and ideally a web coupon that our customers could use. Because uh, somebody somebody actually emailed me because I put my email on the last episode and wanted to know a little bit more about what we're doing. That's what we're looking for. Uh, so if you have any questions of that regard, uh, feel free to give me a holler. Um, I'm starting to work on some merch. I've started an initial... I'm, we're at, Pod merch is coming. Uh, the sooner that the book gets to completion, the more that I'm going to lean into to merch uh, and some shirts and stuff. I'm fired up to get that stuff going, dude. It's going to be tight. Yeah, that'll it's be a lot of time. We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks so much.